Thank you. It is, uh, it is an honor to be with you here today to worship and celebrate and uh, proclaim the word of God to you today. So thank you for that prayer and thank you for that opening worship. That last song was just so beautiful. Just really sweet. Thank you. Uh, well, when, when Todd asked me to preach today, I knew that this church often used sermon series uh, for preaching. And so I asked him, I said, so what am I to preach on? And he said to me, well, preach on your first love. Huh. Okay. I was a freshman in high school, just walking down the hall when I saw her, Sherry Martin, the most beautiful girl I had ever seen. No, at that moment, I knew that she was the most beautiful girl in the world. Her hair, her eyes, her smile. I knew at that moment that I had to meet that girl. And so I did. Just four and a half months later, I said, hi. And then she said, hi, back. Not only was she the most beautiful girl in the world, but she was the nicest girl in the world. And then she said to me, she said, so you're a freshman too, right? How'd you know that? Beautiful, smart, also, and nice. I had hit the trifecta, and I knew that I was in love at that moment. And this was real love, because I knew that Sherry Martin was absolutely perfect in every single way. And I let her know that. When she said something funny in class, I made sure that I laughed louder and longer than anybody else. When she got something wrong on a quiz or a test, I told her that all of her teachers were bozos and didn't know what they were talking about. And, well, I spent literally hours, I think, in our classroom just staring at her. For some reason, it never worked out between Sherry and me. I'm not sure why, but I will never forget her. She was my first love. Amen. No, just kidding. Our text for today, the assigned text for today is Revelation chapter 2. Jesus says to his church in Ephesus, after praising them for some things, he then says to them, and yet I hold this against you. He says, you have forsaken your first love. Remember the heights from which you have fallen. Repent. Do the things you did at first. Well, the love I felt for Sherry was certainly an immature, fleeting kind of love. In our text today, it's the exact opposite of this kind of love. It speaks of our love for God, which is the most significant love of all. In the second reading assigned for today, Jesus also speaks about love for God. And Jesus says this. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Well, that's a lot of alls there. Does Jesus really mean for us to love the Lord with all our heart, all soul, all our mind? All of our strength? Can you do that? How do you do 
if it's even possible. And what happens if we don't? We know that the Ephesians in, in this Revelation text, we know that their love for God is in trouble. It's hurting. It's dying. Jesus says, you have forsaken your first love. And I don't know about you, but for me, that has always been one of the saddest statements in the Bible. You have forsaken your first love. And we know that that is their, their love for God. Jesus says to them, then tells them, pleads with them, commands them, repent, which is really come back. Do the things you did at first. But what were these things? What can we here today learn from them to ensure that we never forsake our first love? Or perhaps for some of us, what can we learn to ensure maybe that we love God truly as our first love again or perhaps for the first time? And thinking about this, I was reminded about an article that I'd once read. And the article was titled, Love Dies in Small Steps. And I don't remember why I read this, but again, I, I looked it up again. And in speaking about this, and this was a, a, a secular author speaking about love between couples, here's what this author says. It says that all couples look to each other for connection and help. There are hundreds, maybe even thousands of times each day when the little things matter. I had a really bad day is really ask me to talk about my day. Or you look sad is really open up and talk to me. Or I'm having a hard time getting all the laundry done today is really could you help me please? When we and our partner reject those little acts, this author says, a turning away has occurred. A small step has been taken away from each other. And if we turn away enough, isolation and emotional distance grows. And love, which is anchored in relationship, begins to die. The problem with the church in Ephesus is that they had taken one small step after another away from God. When we attempt to puzzle this together and, and figure out what these small steps were, it seems that the Ephesians had succumbed to the great temptation that we all here face. They had slowly turned from one, loving one another and loving God with their whole heart to instead turning inwards and loving themselves more. In another letter written, some 30 years before this Revelation text, Paul had written to the Ephesians, and Paul says this 30 years earlier. Paul says to them, I am continuously giving thanks for you because of your faith in the Lord and your incredible love for all the saints. And yet here in Revelation, 30 years approximately later, we are told that they had fallen from a great height and forsaken their first love. You see, all of us here, we live in a tension between looking out and looking in. Between loving the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and in truth, loving ourselves with all our heart, soul, and mind. And this latter is certainly easier. It is our default mode as sinners. 
And when I think about it, I think we often forget that this pull to look inward, to become self-centered, it's like gravity. It's always there, always turning, always seeking to turn our head and our thoughts and our eyes inward. It pulls on us day and night in circumstances of life, whether we are really aware of this fact or not, it's there. And what I think we also tend to forget is that love is never static. Love is anchored in relationships, right? And relationships are either continually being uh, built and encouraged or they are atrophying and dying. And this always happens one small step at a time. We are always either taking small steps forward or away in all relationships, including our relationship with God himself. In fact, this happens so often in so many different and so subtle ways that that I think we don't always realize that relationships are always moving. This, in fact, reminds me of a famous quote from C.S. Lewis in his masterpiece, The Screwtape's Letters. Uh, In this book, if you're not familiar with it, you should be. It's fantastic. But in this work of fiction, we have a senior demon named Screwtape writing a series of letters advising a younger demon named Wormwood on how to successfully tempt a young man. In one of these letters, Screwtape senses that Wormwood is is frustrated and being told to lead his human into small sins and small little distractions. Screwtape writes this. He says... You will say that these are all very small sins. And doubtless, like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards will do the trick. Indeed, he writes, the safest road to hell is the gradual, gentle slope, soft underfoot with no sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Your affectionate uncle, screw tape. How do we avoid the gentle road of distraction? How do we turn from the soft, comfortable roads of laziness and apathy and all those little harmless sins? How do we take little step after little step toward God and instead of away from him? Well, Jesus, again, in pleading with the Ephesians to return to their first love, tells them to do the things they did at first. And what had they done? Again, Paul, in his earlier letter to the Ephesians, give us some insight. In this earlier letter, when their love for God was on fire, he writes that he is praying that they will continue in what they have begun. He writes, being rooted and established in love, I pray that you would have even more power to grow or keep growing in your grasping how wide 
how long and how deep is the love of Christ that they would evermore, he writes, that the love that surpasses knowledge and in doing so that they would be filled with the full measure of God. Our stepping towards God is directly related to how often, how deeply, and how richly we grasp how wide and deep and long is the love of Christ for us. The more and the deeper that we do this, the more and the deeper that we will be filled with the full measure of God. For we who have been saved by Christ, the veil has been torn away, and we can now see God as he really is. And this scene is not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time, oh, now I know God. Now I understand God. Now I see God. No, eternity itself will not be enough time for us to see all the glory and the wonder that is our God to see. Rather, the seeing God, the knowing of God, the encountering, the aspects, the various aspects of the wonder and the love and the power of our God will last throughout eternity. It will last throughout eternity, but in truth, it begins now. When we do this now, when we look upon the beauty and the power and the glory and the love that is our God now, Scripture says that we reflect the Lord's glory and are transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18. It is the image of God, the picture of God, filling our minds that transforms us. The difference between believers and non-believers is not so much what we do, but rather the picture of God that fills our minds. Another way of saying this is this. The beauty of your life will never outrun your picture of God. The power of your life will never outrun your picture of God. The joy in your life will never outrun your picture of God. Your life reflects your picture of God. Be transformed, Scripture says, by the renewing of our mind. And our minds are renewed to the extent that we see Christ. To the extent that we intentionally saturate our minds with how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ for us. The more we ponder this, the more we think on this, the more we meditate on this, the more we take little step after little step toward God. It's the exact opposite of the kind of thinking that Satan would have us do. He'd have all of our thoughts consumed with either worry and concerns of this world, or he'd have all of our thoughts consumed with the pleasures and distractions of the world. The truth is he doesn't care which, whether we're consumed with worry and fear or whether we're consumed with entertainment and pleasure. He's happy with either because either of these slowly but surely lead us away from the enemy. Return to your first love. Again, 
or perhaps for the first time. There is, there is no more powerful spiritual discipline than turning our thoughts to Jesus. Just 15 minutes a day, turning your thoughts to Jesus in prayer. Just 15 minutes a day, listening to Jesus speak to us through the scriptures. Just 15 minutes a day, visiting heaven in our imaginations, pondering the wonder and the glory and the awesomeness and majesty of our God. Just 15 minutes a day, looking to the cross and meditating on he who loved us first and loved us with all that he has. Just 15 minutes a day. Each of these is a small step toward God. Each of these is a step toward transformation. Each of these is a step toward aligning our thoughts and therefore our emotions and therefore our actions with what is true and what is real. Each is a step toward healing, toward wholeness, toward power. Each returns us to our first love. Return, all of you, oh beloved of God, to your first love. Amen. Father, we thank you with all that we are, Lord. We thank you in even our inadequacy, Lord, for you have loved us first. You came to us when we sought you not. You loved us when we hated you in our sin. And you loved us with a love that is beyond even our greatest imagination as you poured yourself out for us on that cross, Lord. Father, you are truly our first love, whether we know it or not. Lord, we ask that each of us here, that you would help us always in the midst of the distractions of this world, the distractions of pain and heartache, Lord, or the distractions of, of pleasure and entertainment, that we would continually seek to fight the gravity of sin and selfishness, Lord, that we would look to you and in doing so be transformed in our minds and our emotions and our actions that follow, Lord. Father, would you transform us by revealing to us more and more how deep and how wide and how strong and how powerful and how amazing your love is for us. Lord, fill our minds. Transform us from the mind outward, Lord. You are our first love. May we return to you today, tomorrow, and always. In your name.